You're listening to the Van Moody Podcast. Our passion is transforming the world by transforming lives. In today's episode, we'll explore how God has shown us incredible forgiveness and how he expects us to turn around and forgive others in return. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon of John, do you love me more than you love these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And then the third time, he said to him, Simon of John, do you love me? Now Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. The main point of the production that you just watched is that the heart of the gospel is forgiveness. Throughout the ministry of Jesus and even in his last agonizing hours, he managed to forgive. He forgave. In many ways, it's kind of hard to imagine that while he's hanging on a cross, experiencing the worst kind of punishment known to humankind, a crucifixion, that he would still find the words to say, Father, forgive them. Or even while he's hanging on a cross for crimes he didn't even commit, he manages to forgive a thief for crimes he did commit. Or even when he knew that Judas was going to betray him, he still had a final meal with him and even washed his feet. How about the encounter between Jesus and Peter in John 21, which we just read about? All of these accounts are right there in the forefront of our faith to remind us that God has ultimately called those who have been forgiven to forgive as well. He's called us all to forgive as well. And that's why the good news of Jesus Christ, one of the biggest reason that we celebrate a risen Savior is forgiveness. But this forgiveness comes with an obligation. Come on, tell your neighbor, it comes with an obligation. God expects for forgiven people to forgive. Many people are wearing these t-shirts that say forgiven. They say forgiven, but before we can even spell or even appreciate forgiven, we have to realize that we first must forgive. This is why Ephesians 4 and 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you, just as Christ God forgave you. Jesus is our model. And I hear some of you saying here on today, like, well, I know that Jesus forgave. 
He can do that. He's God. He can do that. I'm not God. I can't do that. I even hear you saying, you don't know the level of hurt that I've endured. You weren't there. You weren't abused. You weren't lied on. You weren't talked about, gossiped about. So you don't know my story. But can I help you on this morning? Jesus is our model on how to forgive. One of the core elements in how Jesus forgave is Jesus never let the offense determine whether or not he was going to forgive someone. See, Jesus was able to separate the person from their sin. And that's what he's calling us to do on this morning. He was more concerned about the person than their actions. Whereas we, on the other hand, we're more concerned about the actions. In fact, we don't separate the people from their sins. We keep them together and we focus on that action. And we magnify that action and we begin to rank that action, that sin. We begin to rank it. Okay, I can forgive for this, but I'm not going to be able to forgive for that right there. We say things like, um, I'm not going to be able to forgive him this time. Or she's gone way too far. She's crossed the point of unforgiveness. I can't, I can't forgive her. In fact, she's dead to me. I'm done with her. I'm cutting her off. Even if she is my family. But this is not how Jesus forgives. The person and their freedom is much more important than the offense is to him. So in order to fulfill the obligation, we got to understand two things. And the very first thing we have to understand is that Jesus pre-forgave. Get that in your notes. That's number one. Jesus pre-forgave our sins. Forgiveness is a decision. It's not a process or a feeling. For a long time, I believe that it was a process. When we view forgiveness as a process, we link it to the offense. And when we link it to the offense, we place ourselves in the position of having to rank those offenses, which requires our focus to remain on the offense. However, when we view forgiveness as a decision, we move the focus off of the offense and it loses its power over us. It's kind of like a ball and a chain being attached to your ankle when we view forgiveness as a process. You're saying, I'm going to forgive, but it's a process, so I'm going to forgive slowly. I'm going to forgive slowly, and slowly, but that ball and that chain is still connected because when we say it's a process, we're connecting it to the offense. It's a trick of the enemy. We say we're going to forgive, but ultimately we cannot forgive because we've linked it to the offense. And now we're saying it's a process when we're really saying, I'm going to walk in unforgiveness. I'm going to walk in unforgiveness and slowly I'll be able to forgive. However, when we make the decision to forgive, we cut, we break that chain and that ball off of our ankle, and immediately Satan loses his power over us. So we make forgiveness a choice. We have to have that on the front, forefront of our mind that forgiveness is a choice. 
It is not a process. Jesus forgave ahead of time, and he chose to pre-forgive. Jesus forgave us before we sinned against him. He didn't wait for us to repent or to say, I'm sorry, uh, before he forgave us. He chose to forgive us before we were even born. In fact, I don't want you to take my word for it, but let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. And it says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us for him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He, in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ and in accordance with his pleasure and will to praise of his glorious, his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he's lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and under the earth under Christ. And in him we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we were put first and we would put first our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal and promised the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing the inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So when did God choose to forgive us? He chose to forgive us before the foundation of the world. Before the world was created, before there was matter, time, or even space, God chose to forgive us because he knew we would sin. He knew what sins we were going to commit. He knew we were going to mess up. So he made the decision at that time to forgive us to make us holy, and to make us blameless. He, he was predetermined that he wanted to adopt us simply out of the kind intention of his will. So it was his idea, and it was not our idea, to bring us into relationship with him. He made a decision long before we were capable of making the request ourselves. And it was his desire to forgive us and restore us back to himself for his own glory. And notice that everything in the passage we just read was all his choice. It was all his choice, his intention, and his for his glory. Not our own decision, but it was by his grace. So God, before the foundation of the world, before he created anything, Before he knew what you and I were going to do, he knew every sin we were ever going to commit, like I said earlier, he knew all about it. And he, even though he knew about it, 
he went ahead and declared, I choose to pay for that. Jesus stepped up and said, I will redeem and I will forgive all of it. And I will work actively hard to do whatever is required for them to stay in my grace and be restored back to me. And again, it was his choice. He didn't wait for us to sin and then say, hmm, should I forgive them? Is this a forgivable sin or, or should I not forgive? He offered forgiveness. He pre-forgave. His love for us is greater than his hatred for our sin. So the model of forgiveness that Jesus left for us to follow involves the mindset of pre-forgiveness. He made the decision to forgive us long before we admitted that we needed it. He knew what we were going to do, just like he knew what Judas was going to do. The night that he betrayed him, he sat at the table with him and he said, one of you are going to betray me. So he knew that Judas was going to betray him. And then that evening when Judas came up to betray him with a kiss, he called him friend. And he said, do what it is you came here to do. So he knew. And he still called him friend. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by his grace that we have been saved. So death refers to a separation from God. When it says that we're dead in transgressions, that represents a separation from God. And life refers to that connection to God. God's choice to offer forgiveness was made when we were separated from him. So even while we were separated from God, he chose to forgive us. Ephesians 2 and 6 through 10 says, And God raised us up as Christ." raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Jesus Christ in order that in the coming ages he may show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and is not of yourselves. For it is the gift of God, not by works so that no man may boast. For we are all God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. When were we called to do those works? When were those works prepared for us to walk in? It was prepared beforehand, before we were reconciled. So how could that be? And it's because God knew that in Jesus, all the preparations and requirements for our forgiveness could be completed through faith in the grace of God, that we would be reconciled back to him. So what is the point of all of this? The point is that we should live with more than an attitude of gratitude, but with an attitude that forgives everything that anyone ever does to us. Not some things, but everything that anyone ever does to us. 
We ought to have just a, a pre-forgiveness stamp that we just, when we're offended, we just stamp it right there. An invisible stamp that we stamp and it says you are forgiven because he forgave me. And Jesus is calling us right now to make the decision to forgive, not only for offenses of the past, but also the offenses of the future. And this does not mean that the wound will not hurt. It does not mean that you won't even feel the pain. It's going to hurt. And it's not going to feel comfortable. You're going to be uncomfortable. You may even not want to do it. But God is calling us to do it. Jesus suffered unspeakable pain. Pain that he knew was coming. Yet he still forgave. He still forgave. So the second thing is to know that Jesus purposely chose to pay our debts. He did it on purpose. He was intentional about it. Jesus pre-forgave and he made a decision before the beginning of time to forgive us and he chose to pay our debts. How many know that when we sin, there's a price that has to be paid? The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. When Adam and Eve decided to turn away from God and sin, their sin created a debt. Rebellion always leads to a debt. And wounds will always leave their mark. And violations create liabilities. And the only way for the debt to be paid was through death. And God's justice demanded repayment for that debt. But God's love and his mercy called for reconciliation. But how could an irresolvable debt be resolved? How could the unforgivable debt be forgiven? And the whole of the Bible points to how this issue was resolved. When Adam and Eve sinned, we know that an animal had to die. When Abraham takes Isaac up to the mountaintop to sacrifice him, we know that there was an animal that was sacrificed instead. And when God brings the children of Israel out of Egypt from bondage on the night of the Passover, we find that a lamb has to be spotless and without blemish. And when Isaiah begins to minister prophetically, we find that the work of the lamb, what the work of the lamb is going to do, he is going to be wounded for our transgressions. But we don't know who the lamb is until John the Baptist is getting ready to baptize in the Jordan River. And then Jesus comes and John declares, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So now we know that Jesus Christ is that lamb. He's the sacrifice. Before the foundation of the world, God knew that man would sin. And he also knew that there would be nothing we could ever do to be able to repay that debt. So Jesus stepped up and he said, Dad, send me. I'll go. Send me. I'll pay for their debt so that you and mankind can be reconciled. So Jesus purposely chose to pay for our debt. And he decided before we were born to settle the debt. Romans 5, 6, and 8 says, you see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, 
Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare die. But God demonstrates his own love for this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Hebrews 10, verse 9 through 14 says, Then he said, Here I am. I have come to do your will. He set aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. And again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away his sins. But when the priest had offered for all time, one sacrifice for all sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he awaits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has been made perfect forever for those who are being made holy. Christ's sacrifice was a one-time payment. It was a done deal. Everything was complete. Everything was paid for in full at the cross. Now, that's the good news. That's why we celebrate a risen Savior. It was a one-time deal that never needs to be repeated. What does all of this have to do with forgiveness? First thing you need to know is all sin is ultimately against God and not against us. That's really going to help us if we can get that in the forefront of our minds that when we are offended is ultimately against God and it's not against us. God, Jesus understood this and that's how he was able to separate people from their sin. Psalm 51, 3 and 4 says, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you and you only have I sinned. And done what is evil in your sight. Uriah was probably up in heaven saying, Lord, what about me? I was murdered. He took my wife. What about me? Regardless of the impact that it has on us, the sin is against God. And it's not against us. And if you get this, you'll change how we respond to negative people and their action towards us. We too will say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In fact, we'll say, Lord, have mercy on them, for they know not what they do. We hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Van Moody. For more information about Van Moody Ministries, please visit vanmoody.org. Thank you for joining us, and have a blessed week.